have the capability this morning to grab your text and stick them right up on the screen as you write them. So uh, text them up there. And if, uh, golly, it's me again. That's really good. So, uh, but as, as texts uh, come in, as we get answers, uh, we're going to, gals back there have got the computer and they're going to pop them up here and we will define what success is. We're good. All right, let's see what success is in this room. Contentment. All right, very good. Anybody agree? Oh, whoo. All right, that didn't get much. Inner peace. Is that success? All right. How about people think I'm good at my job? Anybody? Okay, raise your hand. Come on, you bunch of liars. Exactly. Make a lot of money. All right, here we go. Now we're getting honest. Here we go. All right, what else is success here? To have faith like Jesus. Good. We're in church. That's a good answer. All right. To feel God's calling upon my life. Excellent. Let's do a couple more here. Kids who are passionate. Ooh, that's good. Absolutely. Getting in the parent action there. What else is success? Recognition. Getting recognized. All right. One more. Last one. This is the right answer. Living with purpose. Actually, it is. That was good. All right. Hey, we're going to talk about that right here today. Hey, uh, when, I, uh, when I grabbed some dictionaries and looked up the de- definition of success, it says the favorable outcome of something attempted. So you go for something and you have a favorable outcome. You can say, I was successful. It's the attainment of wealth, position, honor, or fame. In a, here's my definition. It's kind of like, you did it. <laughs> I mean, you actually made an attempt and you accomplished it and you did it. And that's success. You accomplished something. But what we really want to talk about this morning, too, is what drives us? Why is there a drive within every human being to succeed? Why do we want to succeed? And, it, and, if, and if you wonder, if you have one, I just, it was so funny. I was a sports guy, you know, in high school and stuff, and, and that was just, my whole thing was to, there was no way I was going to sit on the bench, there was just no way. I mean, I was so driven and I would work so hard and I put my body through amazing pain just to make sure that I could start. You, you're, you're driven to be successful. How many of you were driven to sit next to the person you're sitting next to? Anybody married in here? Okay. You guys, guys remember those days when you were driven? How many of you were driven to win that woman over? Okay, three of you. That's great. Uh, and all the women are going, yeah, that's what's going on right now, actually. <laughs> Could a little, use a little more of that drive. <laughs> Might be a little bit. But I, I just know, man, when you found a woman and you felt like she was the one, you go after it. You are going to do everything you can to capture her heart. And you already raise your hands because this is what we do with our jobs. It's, it's amazing. Once we find out what we're going to do, we want to succeed at. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's me. I mean, when we planted K2 six years ago, we, were, we moved here a year before we even opened our doors so that we could do everything possible to be prepared and to provide the best experience for people who would want to come and investigate who Jesus Christ was. And six years later, there's nothing that changes. I mean, the, the, the hours and the effort and the prayer and the dreaming and all of that so that when you guys show up and decide, you know what, I'm going to give a shot at K2 the church. We want this place to succeed, and you do. When you want to succeed, you'll give everything to it. So the question, though, is why are we driven? And I think there's a few reasons I want to throw at you. One is because I think 
Sometimes we want to just accomplish something. And I think that's huge. I think there's something, I think it's fantastic. Can you imagine if there wasn't a drive to succeed and to accomplish something as a human being? Can you imagine waking up in the morning? And maybe, maybe some of you struggle with this right now, but waking up in the morning and not wanting to do anything. Actually, I have had that. Anybody have that? <laughs> okay. But you know that inside you, this drive, if you didn't have that, you wouldn't have a marriage, you wouldn't have good, all the stuff that we put up there, you wouldn't accomplish. This, the human nature would fall apart if we didn't have this drive inside us to want to accomplish something. See, I, I think that's God-given. I think God has put something inside us, this drive to accomplish, to join Him in what He's doing. Okay, the second thing is, is to produce something, to make a contribution, to make a difference. And, and I know some of you have thought about that. The reason I'm doing this is because I want to actually make a difference. I want to contribute to society. And so you try to make yourself the best that you can be to do that. And just to be excellent. Okay, do, you guys, do you guys believe that God wants you to be excellent at what you do? Okay, see, because sometimes Christians will get all spiritual and stuff, and they'll want to just do spiritual things, and so they don't think their job really matters. <laughs> You know, how many of you, when you go to surgery, want your surgeon to be excellent? I'm saying, dude, go to school, go your 8, 12, 26 years, whatever it is, and and get really good at what you're doing. How many of you want your financial planner to be excellent? I mean, you want them to know what they're doing and to be great at what they do. And And because when we're successful, you guys, we actually bless other people. When you give it everything you've got, no matter what you're going for, it blesses the world. So here's where it turns, though. Because the other side is when all of a sudden success can get dark when our identity and our significance and our value depends on our success. So because now, all of a sudden, it turns inward. And actually, it can be about you. And as soon as being successful is about you, then we'll have the tendency to run over people, to forget people, to all of a sudden just not be home when we should be home. Our priorities get skewed, and it becomes at the expense of others and even our own health, right? Don't raise your hand on this. But all over the world today, people realize that part of the reason their own physical health and mental and emotional health is failing because they have to be successful. Not wanting to be successful so that you can bless other people and contribute to the world, but you have to be successful because you're trying to prove something or to gain something for yourself. See, so it can actually be a dangerous thing. And then the last thing with success, as an intro here, is sometimes what can happen is you're actually really successful and you're doing great And you look at yourself and go, man, I should be so happy. And maybe you are even happy, and yet you're not fulfilled. You ever had that? Like I I, I said a few weeks ago at our crash course, I was saying, in America, we are so filled and so unfulfilled. We are so busy and so crammed with so many things, and yet many people are still saying they're unfulfilled. We're going to hear a little bit later in the day. It's almost like you have this huge banquet in front of you and here and you're eating and you're eating and you're eating and you've got your job and you've got your hobbies and you've got your family and you're just eating and you just, and you can't get full. 
you can't get the deeper things satisfied. So here we go, you guys. So what drives us? That's what I want to look at today. What are we living to accomplish? And what are we seeking to attain? Because if you're a human being, I'm sure there's something that you want to be successful at. Okay, now, I'm going to pray. Because what I'm going to share with you, I was talking with a guy earlier this week. And when I shared with him what I'm going to share with you here in a minute, he said, you're actually going to teach that? <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah. And he, he just, he couldn't, it, it was amazing. Because here's... I'm going to share something with you today that I really do believe if God doesn't like reveal this to you, it's going to make no sense at all. What I'm going to share with you from Jesus' perspective, because we're a church that follows Jesus, what Jesus sees success as, I think is going to blow us away. So let me pray. And, um, and I always, whenever I pray for us, I always ask you as well, your opportunity in this moment <clears throat> is to open your heart to God and say, hey, you know what, God? If you have anything you want to say to me about really being successful, about really finding that deep satisfaction that I've been driving for in my life, give me ears to hear. Just give me ears to hear. All right? Let's pray together. Lord, as we go through this this morning, I just want to thank you that you love us unbelievably how much you love every person in this room. And I just pray that you would do what I can't do. And I pray that you would do what no one else in this room can do. I pray you'd actually help us to grasp this truth that you revealed through Jesus Christ about what it means to be successful. And I ask that you do it out of your great love for us so that we might live the life you actually created us to live. And I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so you guys, if you, if you stick with us these four weeks, uh, the four things we're going to look at is success today. Next week, we're going to look at this in drive inside of us, this desire to be attractive. Um, I'm not giving that message. And um, that was supposed to be funny. <laughs> uh, third one we're going to look at is the need and desire for security. And then the drive to be, just be happy. And as I thought about this week, there is no person who ever walked this planet who was more of these things than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the most successful human being ever. I mean, we're here because of him. 2,000 some years later. How many of you guys think you're gonna, you know, people are gonna be doing something because what you did 2,000 years ago. Jesus was incredibly successful, unbelievably attractive. I mean, he attracted thousands and thousands of people. Unbelievable security. Nobody was more secure in who he was than Christ and full of happiness and joy. And so that's why we're going to look at it, to see what did he have, what does he want to teach us as we go through this. So on the, um, the uh, success piece, <clears throat> I'm going to read a passage for you. It's in uh, Matthew chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, you can pull that open, uh, Matthew chapter 16. And if you have a pen, go ahead and write it up and mark, mark, make marks, do anything you want to in that. Um, if you don't have it, it'll be up here on the screen. This is right kind of getting near uh, the end of Jesus' time together as, uh, on earth. And uh, we're going to start with verse 21. And it says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, 
Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, and you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Okay, here's my line for you today. Is true success is driven by love. True success is driven by love. And I, I, I really do think that, the, the, as we're going to look here in a second, who, that last little text that we put up there, to find your purpose, to find what God had you for here and to live out your purpose in life, I think is success, but it's driven by love. Now, the first question I have is, was Jesus Christ driven to succeed? Anybody? Oh, man. Are you kidding? This guy was so absolutely like nothing was going to stop him from doing while he was here. There's another place, I think it might be in the book of Luke, where it says there was right when the turning point happened and he was going to start to head to Jerusalem where he knew he was going to die, this kind of same passage here, it says he set, he set his face resolutely towards Jerusalem. In other words, I am heading there and nothing and nobody is going to stop me. So when you find something inside of you where you feel so driven that you're going to give everything you've got to this, see, that's Christ. Christ has that same type of drive. And I love it here in verse 21 where he says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. I must. And I don't care what anybody else says. I'm doing this thing because Jesus knew that this was why he was here. He knew what his purpose was. So to stop him from what? (laughs) Nothing's going to stop me from doing what? From doing what his father was asking him to do. Let's read read this verse again, just uh, starting with verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. I mean, now, you guys know, right? Was, this, was Jesus cool with this assignment? Okay. I would say yes and no, right? I mean, obviously, he took it on and he said, I'm here. In fact, if you really read what was happening in the heavens... Before he came down, he's the one who said, here I am, send me, okay? And then he took the assignment, and then what happened when he got into the Garden of Gethsemane? Remember that one? See, when he got down to the nitty-gritty, and he was actually going to have to go through this rejection, and through this uh, crucifixion, and through actually being separated from the Father, that's when he got on his knees and he said, man, Father, if there is any other way, (laughs) I'd love that one. If there's any other way, but not my will... It's yours be done. Three times, sweat dripping like blood. Okay? 
Have you ever been there? When you know what you're called for and you know what you want to give your life to and yet everything around you and everything even inside of you, right, is combating against you doing it. See, Jesus knows what this was. But was he going to succeed? Absolutely. And so he goes for it, you guys. He had come to be the savior of the world. That's why he was sent. That's why he was here. And nothing was going to stop him. In John chapter 4, verse 34, it says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. See, that's, Jesus said, my food, the very thing that sustains me, the very thing that gives me my energy, that keeps me going, is to do the will of my Father and what? To finish it. Isn't that success? You actually attained it. You actually accomplished it. You had something that you wanted to do, and you did it. And Jesus says, my food is to do whatever my Father tells me to do. In John 14, 31, it says this. The world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. The world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. You guys, right there, I just want to tell you, I'm, and I'm going to kind of flesh this out for the rest of the morning. I believe that success is defined right there. Where we love the Father. Where we love God, right? With what? With all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind, and all of our strength. And Jesus himself said, hey, and if you love me, you'll do what I command. Success on this planet right here is actually getting to the place where we love, that's why I think why Jesus said it. You and I have to learn that he loved the Father and he did whatever the Father asked him to do. And, and I just, I, I think for us, that, that is it. Once we can actually grasp that, so true success is driven by love for God. If we love God with all of our heart, as we're going to see here in a second, we're actually going to find our life. I'm getting ahead of myself. But there it is right there. Jesus says, I'm telling you, I must do this because this is what God has asked me to do. Don't raise your hand on this one. But do you, any of you in here know what it is that God has asked you to do? Think about it. Do you know what he has asked you to do? Let me ask this little question. Do you know why you are here? Not at, not at K2 this morning. Do you know why you're here on this planet? True success is living out my purpose. Do you know what your purpose is? See, Jesus knew it. And nothing was going to stop him. And the way he found it, the way he knew what it was, is he loved the Father. And he did exactly what his Father commanded him to do. Now, so look at this. Uh, let me just flip over to another passage. Philippians chapter 2. Starting with verse 5. This is just a great passage. Go to this all the time. We try to figure out how to live this life. Because <clears throat> it starts off in verse 5 by saying, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Okay? So again, if you're sitting here today and we're talking about success, and you're going, how do I find success? How do I find fulfillment? How do I know that I've totally done what I was made here to do on this planet? 
And it says, well, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ. What was Jesus' attitude? Ah, I'm going to love the Father, and I'm going to do whatever he told me to do. <laughs> Our attitude should be the same. But look how he describes it here. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. In being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And this is the part, you guys, we're going to get into that's so hard to understand. Because as a human being, if you're going to be successful, then you've got to go make it happen. You do. You've got to give it all. You've got to go to school. You've got to learn everything. You've got to hone your skill. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to give your time and your effort and your talent to it. you just, you just got to go for it. And what happens is, all of a sudden, again, it starts to be about you. But if our attitude is the same of Christ, what he's saying is actually true success is humbling yourself completely. <laughs> humbling yourself completely. And that's what Jesus did. And then look at verse 9. It says, And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Okay, think about that. Is that a promotion? How's that, for, how's that for success? Dude, I am at the highest place. I am at the right hand, and nobody, nobody is going to supersede me. And how did he get there? How did he get there? He humbled himself. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. I'm telling you, man, this is what I've been praying for, for my own life, and for you if we can understand what it means to empty ourselves, get rid of ourselves, quit living for ourselves, totally empty it, then God can say, okay, now I can actually do what I want to do through you. And I'm telling you, you were created with an idea from God. And he knows why you're here, and he knows what he wants to accomplish for you. And so, man, success is driven by love for God. Now, he gets exalted to the highest place. And so here we go, too, because if you say, if somebody's really successful, what do we say? Man, they're great, right? I mean, they, they're awesome. They're the best. Look at this in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. It says, Jesus called his disciples together. He said, okay, guys, get here together, because they were arguing. <laughs> These guys do this all the time. Jesus' followers are always arguing about who's the greatest. <laughs> You know, and who gets to sit in the right seat? And who gets to be at the top? And who gets the good position? So Jesus gathers, gathers them all together. And he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for others. Okay. You want to be great? Do you want to be great? See, in God's kingdom, in the way that God works, he says the greatest is the servant of all. It's not the one who's above everybody. It's the one who's beneath everybody. And so you guys, again, what he's really saying here, I think, is true success is driven by love for others. That I literally, if I can wake up in the morning and not be about myself, can you imagine? 
Anybody else struggle with that? I mean, you wake up in the morning and your first thoughts are all about you. Can you imagine being free from yourself where you actually woke up and said, you know what, on this day, all I'm thinking about is everybody else. Oh, you know what that's called? Freedom. Freedom. And I think Jesus is coming to help us to say, you want to be great, then you become the servant of all. And if you want to be the top, then you got to become the slave. I mean, see, this is the stuff where it's human nature. We just go, this is nuts. This doesn't work. And, and I, and, but it does, you guys, because love is the greatest thing in the world. And if you and I could actually not be about ourselves, but love God, be driven by our love for God, and be driven by our love for each other, I'm telling you, this place would change. Your community, your world would change if this could happen to us. And that's success right there. Because now you're making a huge impact. And, and I just thought about this. You guys, again, going back to my sports days, I mean, I would just beat myself and do everything I could because there is no way I was going to sit on the bench. I was going to play, right? And I just thought, can you imagine? I, I just wonder, what would that be like if I actually had that same attitude on God's team? If, I was, if God had a basketball team and he's like, okay, Nelson, you're on the team. He goes, you want to start? Oh, yeah, absolutely, man, because I'm driven to be first string, right? He goes, all right, then get down and serve everybody. How many of you would be on first, don't raise your hand. How many of you would be on first string? How many of you would God look at you and say, you're the greatest? You know why? Because you give your life up. You are give your life up. You live to serve. You live to love other people. And I'm telling you, it's just amazing to me how many days I wake up and I'm like, dude, I must be on the bench. <laughs> in God's, on God's team, I think most of us spend a lot of time on the bench. And we're on his team. But we don't want to play his game. We want to play our game. Now on the flip side, just looking out here, man, I see a bunch of you and you are on the court, man. <laughs> you are on the court. Your hearts are unbelievable. You sacrifice yourself and you serve. Some of you guys in your marriages, you're doing that. Some of you are serving your kids. Some of you at your workplace, man, the pe- reason people love to work for you or work with you is because they know if they run into you, you're not about yourself, but you're about them. Some of you have just given your life to make this campus succeed. To say, you know what, God, I want to see the good news of you setting people free and healing themselves happen down at the southern part of this valley, and you have given yourself away. And I just want to tell you, man, then you're the first string. (laughs) On God's team, you're the ones who are going to be elevated somehow to this, just like he exalted Christ. There is, I'm going to get to this at the end, there are going to be rewards that we're going to get. And I'm telling you one thing, we're going to be shocked when we get to heaven and we see the rewards are. Because it's going to be the people who literally gave their life away. They're the greatest. So you guys, that's success right there. Success, in God's eyes, is actually living out the life that he created us to live. All right? And here's where the challenge lies. Look at verse 22 and 23. 22 and 23. So after Jesus says this, Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Okay, now, if you, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can just look back at verse 13. This is the high, verse 13 of this chapter is the high point of Jesus, uh, of Peter's life. 
Because he confesses what is true about Christ. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, man, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Peter, you've got it. You're the man. And then like 10 verses later, he looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. I I mean, is that hilarious? I just, again, I love the Bible because the Bible's heroes are jerks. The Bible's heroes are guys who don't get it. The Bible's heroes, I mean, Peter's up here and he's just going, yes, I got it right. And the very next thing, he totally has it wrong. And I love what Jesus has to say to him. He says, get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me. And you don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Okay, you guys. To be driven, to succeed, to actually want what God has for your life. To live a life of selflessness. And to live a life where you serve and give your life away. How many, I'm, you guys know? I mean, you do, right? How hard that is? How hard that is? I'm telling you, when I read this, I just, I feel like everything fights against that because this is so upside down. And sometimes it's the world. You know, oh, actually, let me start with this. Sometimes it literally is the spiritual battle. If you're new to Christianity or just checking this thing out, one of the things that Jesus makes really clear is there is a spiritual battle for your soul. And mainly what that enemy does is try to always get us to live for ourselves. That's what he does, because that's who he is. And so there's a spiritual battle that's trying to help make you say, you'll never do this. Well, then we've got the world, right? I mean, the world around us? Where in the world do we see people? I mean, the world is always telling us, this is what you've got to do to be successful. You need more money. You need a better car. You need a bigger house. You need more status. You need that position. And that's how you're going to find your significance and your happiness. And so we get caught up in the world, and we just go clamoring after all these things. And in Romans, it says this. It says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, do you notice what, what, did, what did Jesus say to Peter? Look at that. He says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And you guys, I just want to encourage you. You've got to battle this thing. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. And what the pattern of this world is, is telling you and it's telling me that if you don't have all these things and these positions and all this kind of stuff, then you are not significant, you are not valuable, you have not succeeded in life. And so what happens to us? We end up giving all of our time, all of our talent, all of our resources, and all of our energy to things that are of the world. True? And then our whole identity and our significance is based on that? And you lose your job? You get fired? It's not successful? I mean, I tell you, it's a vicious trap. Look at this. I, I found this verse just this morning. I don't have it on the screen because I just found it this morning. It's First John 2. It says this. Don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away 
but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Okay, let me read this to you again. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Now, does that mean that we're not supposed to care about the planet? Anybody? No. Part of our mandate is to care about the planet and the earth and everything about it. Well, don't love the world. Does that mean we shouldn't love people who are in the world? Is that what it means? No. See, when he's saying don't love the world, what he's saying is don't get caught up in the patterns of this world. And then he goes on to define it. Let me just define it. Everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, which is for yourself, the lust of his eyes, I have to have all these things, and the boasting of what he has and does. Hey, it's all about me. See, that is, I think many times, you guys, right there, that's the definition of human success. Human success lets me go, look at me and look at what I've done. Human success goes, I got to have more and I got to have more. And human success ultimately is about yourself. And he just says, don't do that. It comes not from the Father, but from the world. And here's the key. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. I just I feel like on this day, what God wants to set all of us free from is this idea that success, so I'm going to give my, dri- my drive and my, again, my time, my whole life is to something that's just going to pass away. Instead of realizing, no, I have a drive and I want to be successful and I want to give everything I've got, but I'm going to do it by doing what God has asked me to do. Now again, we've got to tie a couple of these things together. Does that mean that you shouldn't be the best that you can be at your work? No. No, you should be. You should be, again, we want excellent surgeons and excellent financial planners, everything I said before. But in the midst of that, you guys, you always do it to be the blessing. You always do it to contribute. You always do it for the purpose. And as the Bible says, you always do it for the glory of God. Be the best at what you're doing. But don't let it be what you live for. That's the problem. It becomes an idol. And next thing you know, we've lost sight of God. So true success, you guys, is really um, coming to a place where we finally understand that this battle that goes on within us We've surrendered to it. The last thing is we have Satan, we have the world, and then our own nature. Just with inside of us. Do you guys not wake up with this? I feel like when he says, when Peter says, never, this shall never happen to you. When you, when you get a prompting to do something for somebody else or to maybe give something financially away or, or say no to your golf game or, or don't do whatever you, don't you feel, do you ever hear your voice inside you go, never, this shall never happen to you. Wait a second, I, I can hear my flesh rise up and say, no, that's not good for you. Quit, stop thinking about everybody else. I think there's something inside of me that just cries out. I mean, I hear that with my kids. You guys, you guys, right? You come home from a really long day and you're just tired and you walk through that door and my kids are so high energy and they come running in. First thing, Dad, let's play tackle. Come on, let's play tackle. And my voice goes, never, this shall never happen to you. And I, I just, it's, it's crazy to me. But that's my flesh. No one, and, that, and, and you guys, and I'm going to get to this at the end, but let me just plant this seed and then we'll get to it. I think this is why Jesus said, no one can see the kingdom of God. Nobody can really grasp what I'm talking about, he said, unless you're born again. Now again, I grew up in a church where I hated that term born again. I, I just felt like it meant, okay, no one will see the kingdom of God unless you get really weird. 
I thought, I thought that's what it meant to be born again. And it doesn't. What it means is, no one can see this. Nobody can actually do this unless you have a change in your nature. Because your nature is bent towards yourself. You actually have to experience a spiritual transaction where Jesus Christ changes you. And he says, because if anyone's in Christ, you're a new creation. And the old is gone and the new has come. And I just want to tell you, it is critical to understand that to try to do what Jesus taught without Jesus is the most laborious, painful, stressful thing in the world. But to live out what Jesus is doing inside of you is the most freeing thing in the world. So when your nature's crying out to you, never, you shall never think about anybody else. You need someone inside of you going, never. You don't have to think about yourself anymore. I need that. And so do you. All right, so let's keep going on. True success is driven by love. Look at verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good would it be for a man if he gained the whole world and yet forfeited his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? And you guys, uh, this has been a classic verse here. But what I want to help you see in this is true success is driven by love. And this is the key right here. I've been praying for it myself all week long. You've got to believe that God loves you. True success, giving your life up for God, the only way you're going to do that is if it's driven by God's love for you. You've got to know how crazy He is for you. You've got to know that when he created you, he had an idea and a plan, and he actually wants you to find it. Look at that verse again, you guys. Whoever, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses it, his life for me, will find it. <laughs> See, this for me was the most exciting thing about becoming a Christian, is I think I found my life. Have you found your life? Do you know that you're in the groove and that you're actually being the person that God created you to be? And I'm telling you this. I'm going to tell you this. This is so true because Jesus said it. Not because I'm saying it. He said it. You can't find your life if you're trying to save it. Because if you're trying to save your life, then who's in control? You are. And so what you got to do is you actually got to lose your life. You've got to empty it like Jesus did. What did he do? I don't consider equality with God something to be grasped. And I'm going to empty myself. And I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. At some point in your life, to find your life and to find what God created you for, you actually have to come to a place where you surrender your life. And you go, you know what? I've been working on this thing all on my own. I'm ready to find out what you have in store for me. And you guys, for me, I was on a, I was on a golf course, and I've shared this here before, but um, years, many of you haven't heard the story. But when I was 19 years old, is when I ended my relationship. That I'd been in a re- relationship for four and a half years. I ended that. I left my school, <clears throat> left a lot of stuff that was successful. And I went down to Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky, this Hodunk little school, 
And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, God, I just gave you everything. Literally, I had nothing else to give him. And I remember that's when I finally said, okay, let's go for it. And I can honestly say, since I was 19 years old, it has been, and that's why we call, partly why we call K2, the church, an adventure with God. Because I'm telling you this, man, you give up your life to Jesus, look out. It will not be what you were planning. Believe me, the last thing in my mind was to be a pastor. I can tell you that right now. Because you know pastors are weird. I mean, they are. I mean, I get treated so differently. If I'm getting my hair cut, people are like, you know, they're cutting my hair. What do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. Oh, oh, okay. You know, next thing you know, you know, because you know, we can't handle a real haircut. I don't know what the deal is. You know, and I've shared it many times. You're on the golf course and about the fifth hole. They finally find out what you do and all the cussing stops, you know, and, and uh, it's just, it's weird to be a pastor. I just got to tell you, I never wanted to be one, but I'll never forget when I was 19 years old, I wanted to do great things for God. Now that I gave my life, I wanted to do great things for God. I wanted to be successful for God. Anybody want to do great things for God? Wow. Shouldn't have raised your hand. You might be in trouble. So I was moaning and complaining to God because he wasn't doing great things with me. And this missionary came and spoke to us <clears throat> about being in the jungles of Colombia and how these, and that was totally communist infested. You guys remember those days? And there were two flatbed boats that were coming down the river to take out he and his family. And he said, I remember when that happened, he goes, I was hiding behind this bush. And I finally just said, okay, wow, if I live or die, it's all in the hands of God. And he was totally at peace. Just an amazing story because he's sitting in my dorm room telling us this story. He made it. But I got out late at night and I took a walk on the golf course that night. And I said, and I just felt like God was saying to me, uh, well, I was saying to God, I was doing all the talking. Man, God, I want to do great things for you. Now, every once in a while in my life, God just like shows up. And there's no denying it's him. And here was the conversation. I feel like he said to me, David, you want to do great things for me? I said, God, you know I do. And he said, would you go to Columbia? Into the depths of that jungle? All by yourself? No wife, no kids? Would you do that? You know what my answer was? Oh, sure, God, I'll go. You know, I mean, he, no, I mean, no. He knew when it's you and him, you can't lie to him. And I knew in that moment, there's no way. There's no way. And then I heard his voice in my heart say, See, David, you want to do great things for me. But I don't have you. And I stood there. A long time. And now all of a sudden I thought, I said, you know what, what if when God thought of me, because you guys all know you're his idea, right? What if when he thought of me, he was up there going, you know what? There's a group of people who live in the jungles of Colombia and they can't, they have no scripture. They have no way to find out who Jesus is. I'm going to create David Michael Nelson. And when he's 11 years old, I'm going to draw him to myself. And when he's 19, I'm going to really set him apart. And the whole reason I'm going to create this guy is so he'll go to Columbia so that that group of people can be with me for forever. I'm standing there on the golf course all by myself just going, and finally it hit me. It's like, you know what, God? If that's why I'm here, 
I'll do it. And I knew in that moment, I would have gone to the depths of Colombia, into that communist-infested country, all by myself, tomorrow, if he wanted me to. And next thing you know, I was free, and I could go. Now, here's what's funny, you guys. After that, every mission trip I to- tried to go on, I couldn't go on. Every time. Every time I wanted to go to some place, the door would close and I couldn't go. You know what I felt like God was saying to me? Because I didn't want you to go to Columbia. I just wanted to know if I had you. Would you do anything that I ask you to do? I had no idea that 20 years later, he would ask me to lead a bunch of crazy people out here to start this church. But see, but God is looking for hearts who will do whatever he's asked them to do. And if you're trying to save your life, you're actually going to lose it. You might gain the whole world and forfeit your soul. Or you could lose your life for Christ and find it. And then you'll know why you're here. And then the next thing he says is, I'm going to come and I'm going to reward everyone for what they've done. You know, for me, you guys, when I stand before Jesus one day, and we're all going to, the last thing, I can tell you this, almost everything we give our time and our talent to right now, it ain't going to be there. It's not going to matter. And I just know, I'm going to be standing there and so are you, and we're going to go, what in the world are we doing? What were we doing? So I get to spend eternity without anything that I worked my whole life for? Or you can stand before Jesus and have him look at you and say, well done. Well done. You did exactly what I created you to do. As an engineer, as a teacher, as a financial planner, as a builder, it doesn't matter. You lose your life. You'll find it. And God will use you to help change the world. To help change the world.